0: Drive by Cinema. Three nachos
1: and a foaming thermos of fun. Wow. That new music is the opening of Season 3 of Drive by (gasps) Cinema. Wow. Welcome, everybody. That's our musician and co-host, Paul, whose music has been with us since Season 1. And I'm Rick. For those of you who haven't heard it before.
0: <laughs> wait, a minute, wait, a minute, wait 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 a minute, we just said you were going to introduce this with my new composition for the intro, weren't you? Yeah, Paul,
1: but you haven't given me one, so so no. I'm having to use the same old, same old, pop will eat itself inspired. <laughs> <laughs> He's thinking of a polite word now. Revving engines, I love it. Mush. I love it. Mush. It's a little bit muddy, no. but I think that's part of the charm and appeal. Well, we'll get something new for you, okay. Season four. Let's let's just <laughs>
0: <laughs> look, 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 look I mean you've got to develop things properly, okay? Start as you mean to go on. Don't don't just jump into there. That's what happened. That's, that's what was wrong with the first one. Obviously, the first
1: the first musical interludes. I'd made it too quickly. Sometimes genius comes in a flash. Seasons or also known as years for us. It is now the third year of Drive By Cinema. And mm-hmm. for those who haven't listened. This is a COVID lockdown podcast, of which there are many, which has extended its welcome into long COVID territory. Richard, okay, so so this is season three, episode one, is that right? That is correct. Watching movies so you don't have to, very much the theme, of drive-by cinema, including, should I say... And watching movies,
0: even though we ourselves don't want to. You know, there's a public service going on here, I have to have to insist.
1: I didn't realise we were doing it on totally under
0: Paul, I, I watched a movie... Well, therefore, it, it might be worthwhile to go back over the last season and say, which of those movies you did actually enjoy, Richard? Ah, that's a good point, there you Paul. Go.
1: Did you enjoy any at all?
0: I certainly did. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there were some real highlights. I think you could agree with me that Free Guy was a really good movie.
1: Yeah, and very light-hearted. Yes,
0: Dune, I think, was you know a visual sumptuous dinner feast of delight.
1: It was worth going to the cinema for. There's no
0: question of that. Mm-hmm. Because I know how much Richard likes the politics of Dune. Bound was great. Bound's always bound. Good, bound was really Tusk was uh, disturbing and funny. Uh house that Jack built was just disturbing, but still, somehow, worthwhile to watch. Uh, and then there were lots I'm like, looking at now that I don't really recognise that well. What about the David Lynch two offerings that we delved into, Mulholland Drive and
1: Inland Empire? Any feelings on those two, Richard? Well, of the two, Inland Empire made me feel especially dumb. I'm oh, not sick. Okay. And I didn't like the gruelling experience of watching it. So, I've got to say, that was not a high point for me.
0: Did you like Dory to Summer, the Japanese weirdy kind of uh, science fiction? I did, yeah, novel yeah I It was kind of cute. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Any other favourites or any other things you hated? I know you didn't like Requiem for a Dream, the drug addiction. Oh, f- <laughs> <nightmare>. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that one back. And I think, although it seemed exciting at the time when we chose it, Newtown Utopia was a bit of a disappointment. (laughs) No, my part. That was absolutely terrible. Right. The phrase, toe the line, Paul. How do you spell toe the line? Particularly toe
0: in toe the line. Right. Okay. A line being towed. I'm thinking barge and horse. It has to be T-O-W the line.
1: Well, it all hinges on what the phrase toe the line means, right? And for the longest time, I think I thought it meant that you were helping to tow the line, lo- you were, you were contributing, you're pulling yeah, something, pulling along in and the, the same apart, direction yeah. as everybody else. Yeah. But I don't think that is what it means. Right. I think it means going right up until the border of the rules. I think it means like when you're standing in the queue for immigration, say, and it says, you know, stop at the yellow line until a person is free, oh. and you're moving your foot as close to the edge of the line as you possibly can. It means don't cross the line. It means going right up to the line as close as you can without breaking the rules. It's oh God, like I'm, when you're I'm starting having, a race, for instance, towing the line. So it means... I'm to- having a Proustian
0: moment, but carry on.
1: It means T-O-E. It means putting your toe right up against the line. Oh, so Proustian, Richard. Oh God, I feel so feeble and prousti-
0: Proustiated. Oh, I'm going to have to relax and dampen myself with a cloth to the forehead. I only recently, yeah, because-
1: I only recently figured this out. How many other phrases do we just not know what the hell they really mean? It's a question. What are you drinking there? Yeah. It looks Going like to hell. Water.
0: Going to hell. Don't be so brutal. Going to hell in a hang garden, a hang basket, or a hang cart.
1: Hand cart?
0: You can't go anywhere in a hanging basket, can you? Well, why not? I always thought it was going to hell in a hang bas- hanging basket. <laughs> no. <laughs> People are going to water you as you, you know, <laughs> dribble on down to hell. Oh,
1: it's like the uh, hanging baskets of Babylon here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Look, I, I'm drinking, and it's not dishwater for growing up. This is pastiche. God. Look, okay, you gave me a real Proustian moment there. Okay, <laughs> You talked about putting feet up against lines and whatnot. Do you remember the Clark's fitting machine that you were dragged to when your mother was, uh, going, oh, to buy you, was yeah. going to buy you some posh shoes? You put your foot in a school. slot
1: and a machine... Oh. And
0: steel. Yeah. Like the James Bond's elevator, closing elevators, closed in inexorably on your feet. And one, it was cold, and two, it pressed on your feet, on the nails and whatnot. Oh, it's awful. I hated it. I
1: loved it. I loved it. It gave me AMSR, ASMR, whatever you call it. Oh, no, I wriggle like an eel.
0: I wriggle like like an eel to avoid that thing, you know. It was only a shame I only had two
1: feet. I mean, I would love to have kept on putting my foot into it.
0: They held me down whilst they were examining my feet and fitting me. And then, of course, always, always be, oh, you're 4E, super fat, wide feet. you yeah. No, F, I think. But my mother would refuse to give me F or G or H, which were just ridiculously wide feet. And then I would be crammed into like a 4E and, and have sort of gnarled and compressed feet for the rest of the
1: year. I had very wide feet too. I think I was G fittings. Were you G? But I think so, yeah. Feet like paddles. Yeah. That's no, what a why fucking such a, turtle. Good, it's why you're such a good swimmer Paul. You're yeah. like a merman. I should jump down those
0: New York, <laughs> <laughs> new York sewers and-, and relive my teenage dreams. Yeah, teenage mutant. Okay. It's music what time, Paul. It's time for it more. most definitely. We should shut up and do for some
1: More music. More of Paul's vintage music. Brand new music. <laughs> Brand new, yeah, sure. Hey, now, listen. It's 2003. It's only six years after Gattaca. Yes, only (laughs) six years after Gattaca. Thank you for that. I love Gattaca. Oh, yeah, Gattaca, a great movie, Jude Law. And is it? Oh, it is Jude Law, isn't it? Who's the girl? Is it Uma Thurman? It is Uma Thurman, a younger Uma Thurman. A very young Uma Thurman, I imagine. A very stylish, button-down kind of sci-fi, all about... An era where everyone's genetically engineered. And if you're not if you don't perfect to genome, then you are invalid. And Ethan Hawke wanted so badly to be an astronaut, but he couldn't because he didn't have the genome to make it as an astronaut. So... Jude Law, surely. No, Jude Law. He was the guy who was disabled... If you remember, he's in a wheelchair. But he assisted Ethan Hawke. he
0: he had been a super asteroid but now he's disabled.
1: Well, Well, he's certainly not an invalid, and he was providing Ethan Hawke with samples, bodily fluids.
0: That's right, to stick under his keyboard every day, yeah. Yeah,
1: that's it. Indeed, a good movie, a classic movie, yeah. Very good, very good. I'm sure the director and the writers... Michael Winterbottom and Frank Cottrell Boyce. Wait a minute,
0: Michael Winterbottom directed Gattaca?
1: No, the directors of the movie we watched this week. Oh, right, okay, yeah, 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 right, okay, sorry. Must have felt the same way about Gattaca that everyone else did and wanted to pay homage, let's say. Ah. When you
0: put it like that, it is almost entirely the same story. (laughs) I
1: hadn't <laughs> noticed. The, Come the on, you must have known it. I really hadn't known. It's very similar style of movie as well. It's very low key. It's a sci fi, but there's no laser guns. It's hard sci fi. It's not, well, it's hard, but it's not that hard. Oh. Oh, well, it's biological, isn't it? It's life sciences. Consequently, I'm a little bit out of my depth. Is me it too. true that you get exactly 50% of your genes from your mum and 50% from your dad? Okay. I,
0: I think that one is mostly or very nearly true. Okay. It's
1: true except for about 1% for men. For men.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you might get XXY or XYAY or that kind of thing or XXX. No, no.
1: The point is there's two things going on. One is you get all of your mitochondria from your mum. Yeah. But that's a tiny percentage. It's like a fraction of a fraction of a percent. However, the XY chromosome that men carry. The X and the Y chromosomes are not the same length. The Y chromosome is shorter. And consequently, that means that men are about fifty-one percent mum and fifty you know, forty. Oh, in, in
0: weight and volume terms,
1: yeah. Okay. And number of number of genes, yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. The problem I had was, it wasn't the fifty percent. The problem I had was the twenty-five percent and the suggestion that you shared twenty-five percent of your genes with your with your sister or, or a sibling or brother or that kind of... Is that what they were
1: saying? At the start, they explain that we're living in a world, a future... This is 2050, by the way, a world of Code 46. That There's something called a Code 46 violation, and that is having offspring with someone who has got a high level of genetic similarity to you. And this can happen because there's so many um, IV uh, uh, kids born... There's clones, I think, possibly. Basically, there's genetic engineering going on that mean it's not all nuclear family kind of reproduction. Consequently, there's a risk that people you meet might be highly related to you. And the rule is that as long as you share less than 25% of your genome, then it's not a Code 46 violation. But if you accidentally make a baby with someone who has more than 25%, then they, I think, they euthanise the child or abort the child. And as we find out, they do all kinds of things to the parents. Yeah. And if you do it deliberately, then you're in deep
0: trouble. But that's not how the movie introduced the numbers. It said there's a 25 that you get with blah blah blah. There's 50 that you get with other kinds of relatives. Okay. And I don't think that's strictly true. Okay. So typically, the DNA is just one big tangle, sort of like a crazy person walking down a <laughs> road, hair, a <unwashed> hair. <laughs> And then just before meiosis, it kind of separates out into visible chromosomes, okay? It's, it's amazing how it does it. Because if you've ever had, like, headphones, if you've ever, like, taught it at school where they've got 20 headphones <laughs> with their wires <laughs> in a box, it, it, you just simply can't untangle it. But somehow DNA manages to completely unravel itself and roll itself into nice little balls, okay, called chromosomes, okay, which are related to, you know, whatever genes they're controlling. Right, okay. So. The first thing each of those pairs does is replicate itself in entirety. Right, that's the first thing that happens in meiosis. So instead of forty-six, we get ninety-two chromosomes, and we get all your mum's copied and all your dad's copied. Okay, but then they don't line up mum dad mum dad mum dad dad dad. They line up mum mum dad mum dad. You know, they line up in a random way. Two to the power twenty-three combinations. And That's what gives you. Genetic variation, the whole point about sexual reproduction is genetic variety, isn't it? And yeah, and then the second stage is the cell sort of sort of cleaves apart, and you're left with a random assortment of some of your mum's and some of your dad's genes. Yeah. You, the parent about to make a gamete.
1: Right. Okay.
0: So you don't, it's not like, oh, I'm going to get 50% of mum's, I'm going to get 50% of my grandfather's and grandmother's genes. No, 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 no. It's just a random cleave, yeah. And, you know, they line up either side. But on average,
1: it is going to cluster around 25, right? It's going to be a binomial.
0: It is, yeah, but that's not what they're saying.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, numbers aside then. Uh, I know this for
0: a fact because I share 28% of my DNA with my first cousin on uh, DNA.com uh, 28% not 22%. your first
1: cousin yeah. right okay
0: mm. of the uh, genomes that they the splice you know they focus on right. various splices right. Through, right. Through, right. through
1: the through uh, the whatever through the samples so yeah eight percent of the sample listen enough of this in, in we got to get on with this damn movie so, mm. Tim Robbins yeah. Tim God, Robbins yeah. arrives in Shanghai but not a Shanghai you recognise I'm sure no,
0: it desertified Shanghai, and also one with vast industrial sort of wasteland. A life.
1: crazy notion that in 2050, you know, this tropical area might become desert. At least it would have seemed outlandish, perhaps, in 2003. It doesn't really seem very outlandish now, does it? In 2000, 2022, it sounds actually more likely than not. <laughs> I had a friend contact me the other
0: day said, you know, it's 52 degrees in Shanghai. Oh I was God. like, What? <laughs> 52. Unfortunately, it wasn't a shaded uh, temperature. It was 41, actually, nonetheless. And um, I think 25 years ago, 41 in Shanghai would be fairly unheard of, you know, whereas it's just everyday weather now. So.
1: And of course, climate change and increased temperatures don't necessarily mean reduced rainfall. In fact, it could mean much higher rainfall. I mean, higher temperatures should lead to more I- evaporation, right? In principle.
0: Absolutely. But that means more water in the atmosphere. Water is, unfortunately, a very, very powerful greenhouse. And,
1: of course, it doesn't mean that it's going to be falling in the same places that we're used to it falling. So,
0: Not if we disturb that jet stream also. I mean, the UK, despite our latitude, longitude, latitude, longitude. Latitude. Which one? Latitude. We enjoy, you know, the balmy, bal- balmy, I'm saying that the right word, balmiest weather. Yeah? I mean, incredibly... Incredibly, incredibly temperate conditions for where we are placed on the Earth. I mean, we're like two thousand miles north of Beijing, and we're you know a thousand miles north of Seoul. We're just hellishly far north up, and and yet we enjoy this amazing weather. I mean, all kinds of things could be disturbed with uh, with changes in rainfall and changes in heating patterns across the oceans and and land. Yeah, uh, there's
1: no predicting. How do you uh, spell balmy, Paul? B A L. My. Oh, you see, a lot of people might think that it pertains to bread rolls, but of course, it doesn't. doesn't it?
0: <laughs> so yeah, Tim Roberts is kind of like looking, I, I thought he's like looking, what am I doing out here in Shanghai? I thought at times he was kind of looking like, what am I doing in this movie? <laughs> Partic- there's one particular moment where they both start singing a song badly together in yeah. the bedroom. Not just badly, I think they're meant they to do it badly, badly. but I'm not... Yeah. The- But I'm not sure they were meant to do it as badly as they do it, because it's really, really awful. Now,
1: in this movie, language is quite interesting, isn't it? They speak in a mix mongrel of lots of different languages. A pigeon. There's Spanish, there's French, Nipper. there's English, of course. And I thought it was quite cute, the way they do this, because they don't really explain it. They don't translate anything other than the... Contextually,
0: <laughs> the, the most common words, oh, the most common words in all these sort of major languages. Yeah, this attempt to construct like a future, a future pigeon, I thought was interesting, except it was very half-evolved as an idea. And I thought, really, they should have got a language expert in, just to give it a bit more pizzazz and sizzle. But yeah, nice idea. Not sure about the execution. What was... But it was building. It was building an atmosphere of, you know, a futurist pan-globalist corporate, corporate world, yeah? Or, you know, hegemonically corporis, corporatist world where corporations, big corporations, holds sway. We've seen this all the way from from Robocop, haven't we, all the way through to Ready Player One. Uh, but this was presented in a realistic and
1: convincing fashion. It's not just languages mixing and mongrel languages appearing that make the language in this film interesting, because they're also using lots of words in a way that we're not used to... No, well, no, when on. he's trying to get into Shanghai, he has to go through this checkpoint, and there's talk yeah. of showing a cover, and a it cover, seems to yes. be like a passport, but also seems to be like insurance in a way, that you can't really travel without this cover. Certainly, it's passport-wide, that- but it also seems to be like a, a temporary thing that you have for a, a given location for a given period.
0: So it was shot in three locations, one of them was Shanghai, one of them was somewhere near Abu Dhabi, and one of them was somewhere in India or Pakistan. Uh, the circular sort of uh, roundabout, which looked very impressive at the time, see in Shanghai, but it's these days much, 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 much bigger. It's kind of like uh, a concentric helix. Of ringway roads joining together, like you know, like like the Birmingham Bull Ring, I guess, but it's very junction, but more impressive. But these days, it's just gigantic. So, I mean, I think if they'd gone back to make this movie now, they would have found some locations that were much more sort of uh, Blade Runner-esque. So, yeah, the big word is papel, papel.
1: That's well, not the only big word.
0: But what's that big word?
1: Papel. papel yeah. yeah, they talk about. Ah, oh, that's Spanish for papers, isn't it? Ah, now is it documents or is it biometric? It's a biometric, biometric thing internship? because she says that she ah. smuggles it out by swallowing it in a
0: pill. So it's a digital document of a biometric, of a biometric, yeah. and maybe
1: biological. It must document. have some genetic Let's data see. in it because it must be keyed to people's genome in some way, I think. Understood. Now, he's there on business, so he checks into this fancy hotel. He goes to his room. He dims the windows, which is cool. Real thing, that you know, you get that on uh, some Planes. I think triple sevens have that, where you well, or, or Dreamliner is seven I think where rather than a blind, you press a button, and it the the, the window frosts. Um, but he dims the windows with a remote control, and then his TV is in the window glass, isn't it? He's just lying in bed watching TV for a bit. Then he plays VR boxing, which is cool. He's got a little VR headset with him, and he goes to work. He he goes to the office where he's working. Absolutely true. Of course, in a lot of these big multi-story office buildings, you have to check in with security. Often, have to give you a passport. But in this case, uh, he's asked for his password, and she uses a word. I think it's palabra. Is that what language uh, is that? Do you know? Moorish Spanish. I don't. But he uses that word quite a lot. Now he seems to have this ability to sorry. Yeah, you're laughing. Quite right. He seems to have this ability to read people's minds, and he asks them... He's empathic. He asks them to tell him something. We find out later
0: how he becomes empathic. That's because they give him the empath virus. Yeah, the way you get skills and abilities, apparently nowadays, is you can just take a virus. You should power up, Fortnite style. Yeah, so you can buy these add-ons to your body, okay? Fortnite style, okay. I can see how Black Mirror might have constructed this movie in a different way. That maybe would have been more... To our contemporary tastes, you know, a bit more. It, I mean, it doesn't really feel. It's quite subtle. It's like Kafka. It's subtly dystopian, isn't it? This is a livable world. A world where we see people living. You know, uh, there are insiders and outsiders. People banished and people who live in the cities. Like, guess what kind of time? Well,
1: yeah. He he has the ability to ask people to tell him something personal about themselves, and he can't really explain. You just kind of feel, you know. <laughs> and then then okay. he can guess their password. <laughs> Right, okay. I've got one
0: major interjection here, is, is that female narcissists, uh, there are four typif- typifying or defining characteristics that don't define, you know, subclinical or serious clinical narcissism, but do kind of crop up very often with, you know, all kinds of narcissism, whether it's healthy. Uh,
1: why are you telling sort of me this? Spectrum. <laughs> is this an intervention? Uh, <laughs> Super,
0: super, you know, not a female narcissist. subclinical or clinical. You know the five levels of narcissism. Uh, three of which are just really healthy. Okay, let's stop dissing narcissists. Okay, three of the five are really productive for for them and society. Let's stop hating on narcissists. But anyway, it's only clinical and subclinical narcissism that's really damaging for other people or for the or, or for the suffer themselves. But anyway, so the four the four major characters are one, you know, drama around yourself, constantly creating drama. Uh, two, hypochondria. Interestingly. Uh, three um, ties in with two being that you always wants to be a center of tension but number four and the most defining one is claiming that you are an empath <laughs>
1: yeah yeah <laughs> not to do with you
0: Rich. Just to do with, to do with, uh, to do with you know, this whole ermine um, empath kind of thing anyway it later transpires in the movie that the way you get rid of the empath virus
1: is by spraying bacteria around it's crazy Yeah, some ca- later they, <laughs> they have say. some kind of virus eating bacteria which is of course actually the other way around right one of the new ideas to beat antibiotic resistance is to use bacteriophages, which are wow. viruses that destroy bacteria. What's a pathogen? Do you know, I have to teach this every year GCSE biology, and every year I forget all this. Fucking a pathogen shit. is a disease-causing by- agent, by- which is a catch-all. Which oh, so it could, could be, be bacteria, be virus. it could be a virus, could be bacteria, it could be a virus, <laughs> a parasite. Could be a parrot. It could be a parrot, say? yeah. If a parrot pecks you hard, yeah. Could be Eddie. Tim is playing a character I think is called Will, William, and he's an investigator. He's investigating an issue yeah. of fake cover being generated. And he goes to this establishment which produces cover. He has a chat with the guy who runs this place. This guy talks about every printer having its own fingerprint so they know which printer stuff has come from. And of course, that's true, even in our world, right? Printers that you buy domestically, they print, colour printers certainly, they print in yellow ink that's almost invisible to the naked eye, a dot pattern on the page, which is unique to that printer. Now wait a minute. What about the fact that you shouldn't post your photos on the
0: internet because all the meta information about where it was taken, who you are, is on the back? Yeah,
1: sure. Except that is that that's true, true or not for most cameras and stuff? But it's also true that a lot of services strip the metadata out for your safety. Ah, uh, do Instagram do that? Probably. Yeah, you would. You... Well done, Instagram. I mean, but. I mean, it's no good saying, "Hey, we've got encrypted
0: messages," and then keeping all that stuff. The like thing there,
1: is, it? the problem is that you don't, you can't see that the metadata has been stripped out very easily. I mean, I'm I'm assuming Instagram do it because they're a big organisation, they have lots of people's photographs, and it would be important for them to show that they were taking people's privacy seriously. But I, I, you know,
0: well, I'm asking because last Uh-oh. night I went onto How old oh, do God. I look? Yeah, that one, an age myself or younger myself, perhaps. right? Yeah,
1: for reasons. And
0: then It said allow access, allow access to all your pictures. Well, I've just cut, I've just cut my hair, so I wanted to see how it'll look before and afterwards, Richard.
1: Which which yeah. hair did you cut? So because it's... most of them look the same length as last time.
0: <laughs> it's all gone here.
1: All oh, oh, right. Anyway, I see, I see. Yeah, you've got look, you've got an undercut, Paul. That's very trendy. It's a mullet,
0: right? Okay. right. Well, it's supposed to be a mullet. <laughs> I'm getting the rest of it cut. To a mullet length later. Okay. Anyway, so the reason I went on was to see, you know, before afterwards, is there like a noticeable difference in how old I look? I mean, I was trying to work out what does the app do. Does it just look at facial proportions? Does it look at skin condition? Does it look at does you it know, have a Factors yeah. too. Yeah. Does it have a mulletometer? Does it have a grey beard on my and that kind of thing? I wanted to work out, you know, what what weightings they were using, what clusters they were using to get because there were four of them getting really high ratings, like four point five of the app uh on the on the app store and i was thinking well let's find out how to do it so i went on there and i thought well this is a good opportunity to find out blah 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 blah, blah. and so i did it before and after i cut my hair uh, but one of them i would not really used before and it said you know do you mind if i use your photos you know and usually you say yes and then it takes the photo this one right i say yeah i don't mind you looking at my photos and then all the photos <laughs> talk like appearing in front of me I'm like my god what's he doing i can't possibly be allowed to take all those photos like so yeah, it was a real rush to, to think, my God, you know you really don't know often as a user what kind of information you you're yeah, letting other people right. party see. So yeah. So,
1: so, yeah. Mm. Well So you didn't ask me.
0: How, how well did, well I did I
1: look? you look, Paul? I just should tell Such a stole point there. I don't know why you thought for a moment you really wanted a machine to make that judgment about you. There is that. I can
0: tell myself they're not accurate. However it was they were all like the same age, but not the age that I wanted. So <laughs> I think they have become pretty accurate in the last oh, five years. Oh dear. And I think I discovered uh, it doesn't, actually changing changing the haircut did not make a difference to any of, any of the four apps that get the high ratings of a four on the App Store on Google Play. And also uh, pre-smoothifying uh, my face and doing, you know, the magic wand and submitting, you know, sort of faces that was smooth to, like, 18-year-old levels of smoothness. No Made difference. Made no difference whatsoever. It's to that. Nice. No
1: difference. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, so. at this point, there was a... Something came up, a quote in this film, where someone says, the Normans invented the whole English language out of nothing but French and Latin.
0: Yeah, I let that one pass, but... It's not, true, is it? it's not true, is It's not true at all. No. English was English before the Normans arrived. You know, Old English was happily...
1: Being spoken. To. I mean, it's true that modern English has perhaps a, an especially unique blend of Romance Latin language influence and Germanic uh, language influence. And also, its
0: Romance influence is by, uh, by straight, by straighted, by stratumed, i.e., you know, we've yeah, got the ecclesiastical Latin all yeah, the way from
1: distinction, all the
0: way from, you know ancient Roman occupation through to the medieval use of Latin through the Holy Roman Empire. But Norman, French, and, you know, obviously most of it from Latin, some of it from Gaulish, some of it from Frankish, German, that, you know, the Latin, the corrupted or bastardized Latin that came through that way is obviously more obsessed with things like legal, legal things, legal yeah. things you know, yeah. Like fees and loyalties and all this kind of thing, and also food, which leads us to this bipartite—that's what I'm looking for. This bipartite relationship we have with the flesh that we eat. You know, we don't say cow, we say beef. Well, we do say cow, but when we eat it, we say beef. And you know, I'm sure you primary school teachers spoke about all that. So that's interesting, isn't it? But they would mentioned none of that.
1: They just said, "Hey, you know, the norms invented English, which is patent nonsense." This movie really is a kind of romance, strange romance, and so mm. at some point. Uh, we have to meet Maria, who is the object of Will's interest very soon. She's a worker at this place where they're investigating these fake covers being created. Whilst he's interviewing Maria, he kind of, I think there's a bit of flirtatious kind of questioning going on, very unprofessional, really. He asks, What will you do tonight? She says she's going to stay awake until the sun goes down because it's her birthday. And later. When he's returning to his hotel on the, on the metro train tube thing, whatever you call it, in Shanghai, she sees Will and she invites him to dinner. And it turns out over dinner that he knows full well that she did it, presumably because he's got this amazing empathy ability. He's a fucking empath, yeah. man. She says she did it for the money. And he's not really pursuing it anymore, so clearly he's letting it slide because he fancies her. And he tells her about his kid. He's got a wife and a kid back home. Shows her a picture. He says that, you know, he's very special, his son. And she says a great line. She says, everybody's children are special. It makes you wonder where all the ordinary grown-ups come from. <laughs> that is a good line. line.
0: Now, they go home and do this thing badly no, when they They, they get go home to a karaoke course. club, like don't they, first? Oh. And, no, but is it during this whole episode where they sing badly together?
1: Or is it later I in the I think movie? it might be later, but sh- when they go to the karaoke club... No woman no cries what they sing really. When bad. they go to the karaoke club, they're invited to sing, and that's when Maria says that she's a terrible singer. So we know. And she reads she is a terrible, she's a really bad singer. And that's where he explains you can take a virus to make yourself more musical. She said that she took one to learn Mandarin Chinese. But she said that Chinese people understood her, but she didn't understand it herself. <laughs> <laughs> So she was saying something which I had no idea what she was saying. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the feel for this movie
0: is kind of nice. Okay. Uh, you know, it's all... I mean, he's Repo Man. He's Blade Runner, isn't he, essentially? He's reprising. He's reprising, you know, a role of uh, an investigator. Yeah, okay. And there's all this antediluvian kind of, like, after the fall kind of stuff that's going on. Like, we get mentions of past societies kind of thing. So that's all quite nice. But, but you really... like. What I really like is just the atmosphere when they have yeah. the bars and you know this kind of Japanese semi anime kind of semi kind of I don't know how it's kind of laid describe, back it's kind of like yeah there's there's a feel to it that's evocative of the nights in China but also of like some various channels in cyberpunk uh, and her as a person she's very young very naive but she's kind of like on the edge at the same time, in a very two thousand and three kind of way, and I thought it was all quite enjoyable. As switch. Maria,
1: by the way, played by Samantha Morton, we hadn't said that. Yes, and Samantha she's you know with a buzz cut, basically with a very short haircut, and she's studied. She's she's put some study into making
0: herself sound much more foreign than she is in the way she speaks. It's kind of
1: slightly
0: ever so detectably clipped English. Now, she's
1: brought she's that. brought William to this club because she's going to meet someone there. It's a contact. It's one of the people she's going to give fake cover to. It turns out to be this guy whose name I can't remember, but he's a naturalist who wants to go to a particular bat cave in India, near Delhi somewhere, I think. And he can't get cover to do it, so he needs this fake cover so he can travel there. Now, she
0: describes how she gets the cover out. She produces a fake Sticks it under a tongue and then just replaces the one that she's nicked. Yeah, and then right, yeah?
1: She, she swallows the papels that she makes in pills and then retrieves them later. Oh. She didn't explain how she did that. So she's given this fake cover to this naturalist guy and then they go back to her place and Maria apparently grows plants in these little terrarium things, scientifically. They mentioned that the sunlight is dangerous They say it's sunlight is dangerous as they say it is, which implies some kind of damage to the ozone, doesn't it? It Uh, must do, right? Hence the desert in Shanghai. Or possibly. uh, It could be damage to the radiation belt. Maybe the Earth's magnetic field has disappeared. Now, she also says that one of her fingers is younger than the others, implying that they have the technology to regrow body parts and graft them on. Think, which is another interesting piece of tech they mentioned.
0: Later, when she's at the airport, it doesn't it doesn't pass a scanner because it's a new finger, does yeah, it? Yeah,
1: I wasn't quite sure I was completely understanding what was going on there because well, it would grow different fingerprints, wouldn't it? But they also said that was an implanted memory later on. Well, that's the question. Think about think about identical twins; Do they have the same fingerprints. No, Did you don't. know that koala bears have human fingerprints? Favorite. Oh, okay. Maria also has another interesting bit of technology in her house. I did know that. Which is, she's got a special photo album, which I believe records her memories. Ah, she puts like a thumb is. on this sort of cup on the, it's a really neat bit of tech.
0: I miss her, that's nice, that's a nice idea, that's a nice little note, details about it.
1: Because she puts a thumb on, well and a picture of the guy that they saw in the club appears, sort of in the, the album. And then she sort of flicks through it and she sees other people, other memories. It's either in sort of reading your visual cortex for visual memories, or maybe people have some kind of like camera on their contact lenses. I don't. It's not clear how it works. It's a nice bit of hand-wavy tech. Potentially plausible, I guess. Cute. So she seems a bit tired, but she said she didn't want to sleep. William very kindly makes her coffee. He seems to be a nice guy, doesn't he? He's very empathetic, of course. He wakes her with coffee. that He's made one of those two-chamber octagonal things that I don't know the name of. Oh, Italian aluminium coffee Is that the maker? name? Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I don't know what they're called.
1: They're really cheap. Why have they got actually? two chambers? How do they work? Well, it's do with the steam pressure. Ah, so the bottom chamber is just filled with water and is...
0: Yeah, and it, it has, if you like, like... A re- if it was electrical, it would have a relay switch, but it does It has a steam pressure switch. Okay, so when the pressure gets to eight atmospheres, then the steam is released. Yeah. Eight
1: atmospheres moves up through the coffee. Bell's,
0: bells. Yeah, and moves up through the coffee, coffee ground, coffee grind to create a very aromatic and, you know, slightly burnt coffee taste that we, enjoy. <laughs> for some reason, <laughs> for some reason, as opposed to mellow birds, which actually tastes a lot nicer.
1: <laughs> Oh, you sophisticated people. (laughs) So they have a bit of a kiss, don't they, in her place. Uh, And then she goes to the bog rather openly, and they sing. I think that's when they start singing. Oh, she sings. She sings terribly. William takes his shirt off to reveal that he's wearing a vest. And it made me suddenly think that perhaps I misunderstood what vests were for and stuff, and I thought they were to keep you warm or something. Why in Shanghai would you wear a vest? You wouldn't. Nobody would ever wear a vest. In have you ever worn a vest
0: as, as a kid? kid yeah, because th- vest vests were a thing you know, in the seventies and eighties, weren't they? You know, like people wore vests. I mean, I was just looking because I mean, all you know, the heating, heating. How are going to heat ourselves next year? Kind of thing is up there in papers, so and we have got charts and whatnot. And so something I was we saying the other week, which was houses, yes, are much more expensive now, but they're a damn sight better equipped in terms of living software. I mean, if you think about how much central heating costs, you think about how much a boiler costs, think about how much good carpet and underlay costs, think about how much insulation costs, think about how much double glazing costs. Typically, you've got about 30000 or £40,000 of value added into an ordinary terraced house that you didn't have 50 years ago. And some of that is why houses, a little bit of it is why houses are more expensive. But, the, I mean, this one article was talking this week about... The percentage of homes that had central heating throughout or in some part of the house. And Richard, can you guess what percentage of homes in the UK in 1970 had central heating throughout or in part? In 1970? In 1970, exactly, yeah. Oh, it's going to be about 30%? Lower, 20%. And only about... 10% 10% of homes had central heating, you know, upstairs and down. So, and there, next to that, and then, it, you know, it's a beautiful graph showing how now 85% of homes have central heating. Crazy number, yeah. So we've done really well on that, just not insulating the heat once we put it in there. The other graph was uh, the average temperature of homes. And can you guess what the average temperature is these days in the last five
1: years? Well, it must be over 20%, 20 degrees, sorry.
0: It. It is. It's 21 degrees throughout the year. Okay. There was a dip after 2008. I'm guessing there's going to be a dip now. Okay. But over 20 degrees. Can you guess the average temperature of homes in 1970? Oh, uh, 15. 12, oh, my God. <laughs> 12. 12. Which is actually like the average temperature outside for the entire year. Okay. 12 degrees. So there was a reason to wear vests when we were kids. That's because we don't remember, but our homes were fucking free. So it's not
1: to do with wicking sweat away or keeping your shirt, stopping your shirt getting sweaty or something? No. Well,
0: I think you might, because they used to be like, yeah, dads used to wear spongy vests, I, <laughs> I think, for that reason. Like, but it would just make your heart so surely, wouldn't it? I mean, I've never,
1: Yeah, I've never worn a vest, yeah. really. But except, as you say, for, Not as even as a kid? As kid. Did, yeah. I wasn't sure what they were for. Nobody ever explained it, did they? It was to make getting changed for swimming a lot slower, I think.
0: (laughs) I don't know why we wore a vest, but it it made putting on clothes really, really
1: a lot more trouble than it should be. In 2050, William, Tim Robbins is still wearing a vest. He's got to get a flight the next day because he's only got 24-hour cover. He's got to go in and out of Shanghai in 24 hours. (laughs) Presumably, if he didn't have the cover, his company would organise some more. Is I that right? Yeah, I don't know. He's not got a very good relationship with his boss, does he?
0: I didn't really like. I didn't like this bit where he gets well. it's plot spoiler, He gets lost without cover, and he just seems not to be able to enter the inner world of people that have cover yeah. anymore. I didn't really get that, to be honest with you. I thought that was a little, one of the more un, that was the most unconvincing areas of making this world seem real. Maria
1: had revealed that she was outside by which she means outside the city and outside cover, I guess, for 10 years. So she's managed to get in, you know. It's like a caste system, isn't it? She's managed to get into yeah. the system. Anyway, he goes home. He goes back to his family. You know, he has interactions with people who work in his office. His boss kind of tells him off because he didn't really solve the case, did he? Although. Well, no, he, he knew the person who's putting but he was putting up. But he didn't turn As, her in. Yeah. No, but he put the other guy. Yeah, up he instead, put didn't an, he? A, another guy, presumably an innocent guy, who he yeah. knew was innocent. Yeah, he knew what he knew he was innocent. And she hear, and, and, Well, at this point, he hears that a naturalist who has gone to India studying bats in a bat cave has died, succumbing to a hemorrhagic fever, which he had no resistance to. The local Indian population has a natural immunity, but this guy didn't this is used to express the fact that the reason that cover is given or not given out Uh. is because of the sort of omniscient powers of the genome tracking that uh, there's a phrase that gets used several times called the Sphinx knows best. People seem to be asserting that this super authoritarian, know all genome tracking governmental body is called the Sphinx. And, you know, There's an awareness that it somehow knows all these things and yet people mistrust it. It's an interesting point to make in this film, actually, is, you know, despite the authoritarian nature that we're supposed to take against, nonetheless, the consequences of ignoring its advice are that people die. Interesting. But what's weird, like, if if it's
0: mapped all our genes, then why does it know the name of the man? And why couldn't it, like...
1: I don't really. Well, get. I don't think. Like, I don't think your name is. is coded in your genes, is it, Paul? Except unless your name is A C D. So G- you're saying, you
0: know, when these people are when these people are born, their name isn't recorded with oh, their genetic. Oh, I see. Okay. Their, their yeah, but but I mean, we know that several sense.
1: people can share the same genome because people, some people are clones. So.
0: Because they're all cloned, yeah. As it becomes critical later on in the movie, whole whole pivotal plot moment there. So yeah, right, okay. So he's thinking,
1: I've got to go and find. Well, he's out, ordered. Like... His boss tells him to go back to Shanghai. Oh, he's another twenty-four hour cover. Go and sort this out. Who let go of the papel? Yeah, who
0: gave this? He does. Bet papel? he
1: tries to find Maria, of course. But he's told that Maria is gone, and he's told that she has a body issue. Which is an interesting turn of phrase.
0: And he's stonewalled, isn't he? He's stonewalled by the Chinese medic who, uh, who says she's got a body issue and can't Yeah, he says more. privacy he's stonewalled issue. stonewalled by... Yeah. So he goes... But of course he is an empath, yeah. yeah, and works out actually she's pregnant and he goes to the maternity hospital. Where he's stonewalled well, by the also he, he
1: knows her pass- password as well, is which is panoply, apparently. Yeah, so she'd been sent to a clinic, summoned there for a happiness break, as they call it. As you say, she was pregnant, and he eventually gets out of the doctor or attendant nurse or whatever, whoever she is that it was a Code 46 violation. But so that means they used no contraception, Paul. I was shocked by that. It's 2050. Would they not be able to use <laughs> contraception? Is that not a basic thing, especially if you're a married man and you don't really want to have to? yeah. I have another kid on the other side of the world it seems sensible good grief
0: it does and you'd think there'd be some sort of little UV disease. you could probably take a virus there.
1: that would make you infertile for a week you could for a week yeah
0: or you know like, like they get rid of tattoos with skin lasers There's some sort of little UV laser <laughs> that just you can insert up or on um <laughs> either part and it would just gently anything that happened yeah so, so, yeah, not great, I didn't think, this one. Also, I like the fact that Tim's character is deeply flawed. He's not very likable as he? he's cheating on his wife. He's getting with this girl, making her pregnant, not using contraception. He's a bit of a twat.
1: Anyway, <laughs> a Yeah, well, there seems to be a reason for that later, doesn't there? But when he eventually sees Maria, she doesn't seem to recognise uh, him. And the doctor yeah. admits that it was a Code 46 pregnancy, and apparently this, the procedure here is that they remove the memories of the person. And, of course, I've messed up the plot here, accusing them of not using contraception. Because I don't think it's Tim's, is it, this baby? Because they had only met the other week. And I think it was actually... Oh, I thought it was his baby. Yeah, it must have been the guy... I think, it, I think they imply it was that guy she gave the... Fake cover to in the club I think.
0: Well, that's very confusing because it later transpires that him and the girl, Tim and the girl shouldn't get together for you know connected. Or well we know it's a called 46.
1: So you think So we know that they're related you think in terms of the plot? They're related somehow. They also said the doctor also said that the finger thing was a placebo memory that they moved from her childhood. I think the implication was it was like to cover over why she'd been in hospital. So she's not supposed to know it's been a code forty six violation. Wow, it's a bit—it is a bit confusing. I, I, I did think that it was Tim's kid, but it can't be. It, it has to be because, well, I mean, she's not related to the other guy, is she? But it, yeah,
0: she's not related. But something like guy. a week later, it transpires plot spoiler. Well, it transpires plot spoiler that she is related to Tim's character. How and, could she
1: have known she was pregnant? Okay, already? They're, all,
0: they're all well. They're all programmed with viruses, so that when they realise it's been a cold, when their body realises it's been a code forty six violation, they're programmed to panic and phone up and report it to the sphinx. And when they come into contact with somebody with whom the system now knows is a code forty six violation, they're programmed to run away and
1: what? That's right. One yeah, yeah it's, it's to, supposed to be programmed yeah. in them that they stay clear as we discover.
0: And you can get pregnant within a week. Well, you get pregnant in an instant, depending don't you? on. Well, no, <laughs> but depending on where the egg is. You
1: know, I mean, oh, right? Like, I see. Will takes a lock of her hair, and himself along to get tested, and this must be routine. There, of course, you just go and get uh, genome tested, and it comes back as a hundred percent match with his mother. Yes, his that mother. means that. Maria.
0: This is the big moment. This is the big moment in the movie, and I don't think they make enough it. means
1: of it. that his mother is a genetic clone, a twin, genetic twin of his mother. And he tries to fly home, but his cover is expired. So Maria gets him fake cover. He changes his mind and decides to take her to the freeport of Jebel Alley, which is where her father was from as it is transpired in their discussion. The other weird insight is, like the
0: doctor says, hey, Tim, Tim's character, you're going to have to talk to your real birth parents. Because, because his mum was a clone seed, the people that he thought were his parents probably actually aren't his biological huh. parents. So I, what, I, what, I mean, what we don't get here is, I mean, maybe everybody in this world is very used to being a clone. But I thought there would have been a moment here where Tim just has to take stock of all this, Tim's character. But it never really happens. He just kind of carries on as this Repo man investigates.
1: Well, no, that's not really what happens, is it? Because now he's like besotted with Maria. Even though he knows it's a clone of his mother. Perhaps because he knows it's a clone of his mother. (laughs) And he's like taking her to where her family are from. They're now living outside of the cover system, outside of the Sphinx's eye, as it were. Uh, They get a room in this little kind of cash-only type place. Um, tipping with cash and stuff. They have a love affair in this place. As you say, she's kind of scared of him initially because of the the Sphinx-related anti-code forty-six virus that she's been given. So he kind of kinkily ties her to the bed.
0: But I'm not. But she's already reported the code violation to the. Oh, that's Sphinx weird. Company. Yeah,
1: that that's the day after they they sleep together. Because she's been injected
0: with the report. Yes, yeah, she she, she violation. can't help herself. So
1: she. Whilst he's still sleeping, I think she goes downstairs, uses the phone, and reports herself.
0: I love the atmosphere of this free, this Middle East freeport. It was great. Okay, I thought they chose locations really well here. Well, in general, they chose locations very carefully to create a future that was, you know, actually built of present day material. So they
1: they managed to get a car. They he like gives over the last bit of cash, doesn't he? And he manages to get a car that they drive off it down the road, dodging camels and stuff seems that they're being pursued. They see a car in their rear view mirror. And at some point, yeah. a, a herd of camels appears on the road and he tries to steer around it, but he runs off the road. As opposed to braking. The yeah. car ends up on its side. And the pursuers presumably apprehend him. You hear a helicopter as well. At the end of the film, we have the sort of wash up here at the end, don't we? Where they remove his memories of the love affair. And they're explaining that they think the empathy virus had affected him badly. And it'd gone off the rails. Right. And he goes back to his wife yeah. with his memories removed. And she's living outside, presumably in Jebel Alley. Again, stuck outside.
0: Yeah. Now this is a weird thing. First code violation our young heroine did was uh, assumed to be unconscious so she her memory was just one. Yes. okay the second the second code 46 violation she knew what she was doing yeah and therefore she's banished Excellent. and becomes an outsider forever yeah okay and so she just has to wash windscreens at the you know at the entrance to the inside world and and give out candies or sell or sell trinkets kind of thing and there she is you know a nomad a wanderer in the future modern world yeah
1: End of, really.
0: End of movie. End of movie. Of? Yeah.
1: In go. this era in twenty fifty, where they got these viruses that can make you speak Mandarin Chinese, you'd think that they'd be able well, okay, to okay. be able to overcome when they're cloning people, you'd think they'd be able to overcome hmm. whatever genetic deficiencies that the that
0: Oh splice
1: splice breeding yeah, might yeah. might lead to. So it probably you'd think it wouldn't yeah. be a big deal anymore it's not a big deal like I say it's fairly safe to breathe with your cousin Uh,
0: no it (laughs) is this is is the second
1: podcast you advocated that
0: (laughs) well it's legal in most of the world you know what I mean it's only America, really. States, some states in America that make it illegal. Look what else they're making illegal. So, well, we're
1: starting. We're Can starting we season three the way we want not mean to go on. <laughs> yeah. Let's score.
0: Delving into things that we have no expertise on whatsoever, and possibly argue angry people that do have expertise listening and with our listenership. Okay, sorry, Richard. Yeah, Let's on, score
1: this movie and be done with it.
0: Hell oh, yeah! Well, it's a big movie, big ideas. I like the I like Winterbottom's yeah. uh, mm. ambition here. I liked the, I did like the set and the scenery and the whole vibe of it. And, you know, the night, the expanding nights in a dark kind of city, future city, China. Yeah, I liked it all. Uh, however, I just thought nothing really fucking happened. You know, it's just a torturously, ponderously 2003 slow. Uh, it's a
1: bit cool. That's all. It's just a bit cool.
0: Let's it do is. acting. It level. is. And again, here I, 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 for me, I feel like Tim. Tim was past his zenith. You know, obviously got paid well for this. And at times, you feel like Tim doesn't really want to be there. Kind of thing. Not just his character. I don't think he really brought much to it. Uh, Samantha, I thought was stronger. Uh, I don't know what else she's been in. I'm going to give it
1: Tim Robbins makes me problem. feel a bit uncomfortable. I don't. Quite jive with him. I don't know why. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. Please. Allegedly. Allegedly. Everybody.
0: Allegedly.
1: <laughs> Go on. But he's okay. He's okay. And Samantha was was decent in this, uh, and the supporting cast was great. So I'll give it a seven, more generous than even uh, you were. Good. So should we talk about the, the science? Plots. Oh, the plots. The plot. Okay, the plot.
0: Plot was oh the plot was overcomplicated, didn't highlight what it needed to highlight, we didn't spotlight things correctly. We needed some exposition, we needed some fancy graphics, and it all should have moved on in the non-explained areas more quickly and more clearly. And we needed heightened levels of emotion to do with plot arcs, the characters. And I didn't see development, you know, I mean, I would have been crestfallen if I found out that my mother wasn't my mother kind of thing, and none of that happened. He just takes it in his stride. You know, if he's an emotionally close person, we need to see that therefore, okay? We need to relate it back to our understanding of him. So for me the
1: plot was week five. Yeah, you're motoring through these ball. Listen, did, did it work or not work for you that it didn't spoon feed you? You know, there's quite a lot of stuff to take in, isn't there, and to learn about the world. And as you said that there was one moment you were
0: saying there's one moment that I missed. You know, I was supposed to discover this from the, the movie. You it was really perceptive that you actually noticed it, but well, I can't remember uh- what it was. It's mentioned in the
1: podcast. You could listen to the podcast for once, Paul. (laughs) How about (laughs) that?
0: Okay, I'll throw it under the bus again. (laughs) Right, okay. So it's a five for plot. I didn't enjoy the fact that it was so... It was a jigsaw without instructions. Okay. Rather than a jigsaw with instructions. And I, don't, I didn't have that emotional investment in the movie to do that work for...
1: There is a myself. weakness in running through this entire film and at the end saying, yeah, he was a bit crazy because he took this virus. Yeah, it's an opt-out clause, isn't it? It didn't really leave room for the ambiguity that maybe he fell in love with her. Or, that, yeah. you know, because he, he loved his mother. I don't know. Perhaps it did. I don't know. I'll give it a seven for plot again. Well I did basically like this film. Okay, science, Richard. Yeah, I really like the science. They're coming up with interesting stuff here. Not all of it necessarily, totally on point and accurate, as it were. Not all of it. I don't think is going to happen by 2050, if at all. But more than many films in the science fiction genre, it is exploring some interesting ideas, isn't it? It's definitely another seven here. 7.5 7.5 for me, strong
0: ideas on the science. Wasn't too sure about that 25% line-drawn kind of thing. And I'm sure, you know, given the terms and conditions for Instagram, I'm <laughs> sure that Code 46, Cold 46 would have been explained in more than four legal <laughs> articles or items that appear at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. So generally really good, 7.5. I thought the science was fairly watertight, actually. Didn't really like, you know, bacteria versus virus kind of, oh, but, you know, the virus that can make you... What was it? Intuitive? No. Empathic. That was, Mandarin that was a Chinese. Blur. Musical. Yeah, that's the Babelfish, Fish, isn't it? You know, it's a bit blur and yeah, but generally okay. Right. We can't really do action and special effects, I don't think. What about just general mood. sort of manga madness atmosphere? Yeah, mood and atmosphere. Did it? Did it hit your Blade Runner? Did it hit your Akira? Did it hit your kind of? Your idea of what the future should be—it was—it
1: was difficult to to gauge from the film, really, what had happened. Mm. You know, we know there's some kind of environmental disaster, and also Shanghai didn't feel all that Shanghai to me. I don't know you, you, but I've never been there. Was it meant Maybe to? Not. Though,
0: or was it meant Maybe to not. be like a, a, a very clean future where you know they preserve these lot of museum parts of neon and late night eating? Uh, but the rest of it is kind of like, you know, a dustless production line for humans. I'm going to sound like a stuck know. record here, but it's going to have to be a seven again for the mood. A seven? What, well, all the way down the line? I I, you know, I like the atmospherics of this, okay? The open neon nights of China. I did. I think came through a little bit. I was hoping for more like Shumata, you know, like the crazies in China that from 10 or 15 years ago, where the factory workers would dress up you know, as as these weird kind of uh, <laughs> Japanese manga characters and all that kind of thing. You know, I, the kind of weirdness that we saw in Blade Runner, okay, never really never really came through as a future scape, did it? And I think even though he's using real even though he's using real architectural pieces, he could have put some CGI in there, you know, to make it more Blade Runner esque and just to give us a vision a gra- more grandiose vision of the future. Okay. And it didn't really go that, particularly not in the way that people were dressing. And, you know, and they, you know, there was no big shocks of red Mohican hair and people with lots of facial makeup on so was. So that's, I thought he could have just gone a bit more vaudeville and a little more musical. This was a 1978 Clint Eastwood movie, which should have been 1978 Greece. You know, <laughs> it wasn't the blockbuster. It was because it it just didn't go big on the visual imagination. It went big on let's have dusty, really gritty, real versions of the future. But then we should have populated it with some highly coloured, colourful characters, you know what I mean? So I thought the atmosphere was the strongest aspect. I'm going to give it 8.5. But, I, you know, I was, he did so well. I just wanted to,
1: to have done a little bit better, is all. Ah, encouragement. Overall, then, boringly, I'm going to have to. It would be crazy for me not to give this a second. I, I like this movie, mm. it, it, but it's kind of cold fish, right? It's an easy watch, yeah, but it's not going to be wildly exciting. I don't think you're going to be pumping your, your fists. And it's not going to redefine your
0: idea of the future or, or you know, uh, biometric future.
1: It's a worthy follow-up
0: to Gattaca, way, really. though. The other thing was, I mean, did you not just think this was Gattaca combined yes, with Blade Runner?
1: very much so, yeah.
0: yeah. It is, isn't it? You know, it's Gattaca plus Blade Runner. Uh, yeah, so mine's a rollercoaster of scores. However... I am rather fond of this movie. So it would, I think, have been like a six and a half. But I'm going to give this a 7.5. I really quite enjoyed this one. Well done, Michael Winter. Hey, well,
1: it's a good way to start the season, Paul. With a a movie you actually like. Let's see if we can change that. (laughs)
0: Oh, crikey. Yeah, no, I think I've got some suggestions for you. Maybe you've got some suggestions. I have some suggestions. suggestions. I'm going to suggest
1: that we watch. Go. Hit me. Hit me. Rihanna's... Movie debut, Battleship. I think it's a movie debut. (laughs) Battleship. And that sounds so enchanting. Anything else, Richard?
0: Escape Room 2? He also also says, oh, what about Escape Room 2? Why can't we put that on the list?
1: Well, we did Escape Rooms in Season 2. If you enjoyed Escape Rooms, maybe we should carry on in Season 3. But what I was going to suggest is because Nope is coming out soon, uh, we probably should try seeing Candyman, the... Remake that Jordan Peele did uh, before Nope comes out, so that that would be my right. other suggestion. Okay, Candyman and
0: Battleship, but not everything, everywhere, all at once, because Richard won't go to the movies to see
1: them. I would love to go to the movies to see it. Yeah, but I'm not sure when I got the time <laughs> with you. Okay, yeah. so it's Candyman. Versus Battleship,
0: which stars Rihanna. I have to, I have to, without a moment's hesitation, choose straight away Battleship with Rihanna. Is that okay? With it's very okay with me.
1: Although I think we might be disappointed.
0: <laughs> so it's going to be Battleship. Battleship with Rihanna, star Rihanna, focusing on Rihanna maybe, I don't know. Or maybe just
1: cameoing Rihanna. Battleship next. next week, week. What's it available on? Oh, that I don't know. I think it's free on Netflix. Hooray! Finally. Until then. One for all of us. Thank you for listening and goodbye.
0: Ciao for now. See you on the next one. Bye-bye.